Welcome to Unedited, the fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. Brought to you by Vicky Giles and Grace Bill. From fashion, beauty and homeware, Vicky and I will cover industry topics and shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future. So before we get into it this week, a few things have caught my attention in the world of retail over the past seven days. A report from the NRF's annual survey suggested that nearly 50% of millennials admitted to making Halloween purchases strictly from posts on social media. I'm sure most of us have seen the Kardashians take over of Halloween. Vicky, what was your favourite Halloween costume of this year? I'm not sure whether to describe it as my favourite or whether something that's just maybe like burnt onto my retinas, but Heidi Klum's alien robot uh, has stayed with me, shall we say, Grace? Yeah, it was terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, I also, the amount of time she must have spent in the makeup chair. Apparently five hours. That is ridiculous. That's commitment to Halloween. She must have been scaring away her guests at the party. So with Halloween safely out of the way and Mariah Carey officially announcing the countdown to Christmas via Twitter, Edited has been tracking the rise of festive gifting, with retailers tempting their customers to buy purse-friendly, small and importantly Instagrammable items to buy. We've seen the likes of Liberty offering an emoji-inspired glass aubergine ornament for your Christmas tree this year, Grace. Or eggplant for our US listeners. Indeed. And uh, given the news that Facebook and Instagram will actually be banning the use of the infamous emoji in commentary with any sexual connotation, this might be uh, the only way the aubergine will appear on people's feeds this year. Hmm. Anyway, this week we have an amazing guest coming to talk to us about Instagram and Facebook. With 1 billion monthly active Instagram accounts, fashion communities are absolutely thriving. Users are using the platform to navigate the new landscape and they're creating their own rules to shop, discover and explore. With fashion being in the top five interests pursued on Instagram, retailers and brands should be including the platform as a focus for their digital marketing and positioning strategy. Today we have Michelle Cap with us, Head of UK Retail Fashion at Facebook and Instagram. She builds and manages relationships with key fashion clients and agency partners in the UK, whilst also working really closely with the British Fashion Council. She's a platform and product expert, updating clients on product innovations and also educating retailers on best practice to help them maximise their business results on both of these social media platforms. Welcome, Michelle. We're so excited to have you join us today. How are you doing? Good, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So let's go straight in with a couple of questions. Instagram's in-app checkout lets scrollers shop and make a purchase within the app. But does it help brands to actually streamline the consumer purchase journey? Absolutely. Um, When speaking to our top retailers, we find that the number one barrier to people actually making a conversion is friction. And so any way that we can reduce friction in our client's business is really key. So one way to do that is through Instagram checkout or Instagram product tagging. So gone are the days where you used to have to read a magazine, you'd see a beautiful editorial post and then maybe tags at the bottom of where you can shop that. But if you weren't nearby a store that actually sold that, it was really hard to get access to that product. So Instagram has opened a whole new way for users to access products in ways that they never had before and to really discover new products and shop. So what else can the shopping feature do to help retailers engage with customers and new audiences? Yeah, of course. Well, I think it's important to step back and understand 
the superpowers of what makes Instagram and shopping work so well together. And it's down to three things. It's machine learning, passion points, and the fact that we're such a visual platform. And it allows uh, brands to really tell their story in a simplistic way at scale. Um, And since our early days, people on Instagram have loved shopping on the platform. Um, About 80% use Instagram to decide whether or not to make a purchase. And I think we've all probably been in a situation where we're in a store and maybe we see something and then we think, oh, maybe I wonder what that looks like. Maybe I'll look at, you know, Ted Baker's Instagram page and see if anybody's worn it and tag them. And that's really changed the game to really understand what things look like, where you can find things and really how things are styled in different ways, depending on who's wearing it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's really interesting, isn't it? It's how we shop, Grace. It is. It's how we shop. But do you, it'd be interesting to understand, like, um, obviously there's the hashtags and then there's also kind of individual um, brands and retailers site, you know, accounts, I guess, handles on Instagram. Like, where do you see most uh, users kind of how do they use it for discovery yeah so the majority of time is spent in the feed mm-hmm. but we're seeing more and more time spent in the discovery feed as well so the little search button whenever you click on that that is a really curated space where it's everything that's interesting to you mm-hmm. and it's a really fun game if you ever want to play it with your friends where you <laughs> screenshot your your like Um, discovery feeds and then send them around and they have to guess whose is who and you can tell so much about a person based on (laughs) their discovery feed (laughs) 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 mine's filled with like the kardashians and (laughs) shopping and you know all of travel and tons of stuff um so more and more people are spending time on that Even within there, there's different tabs at the top. There's a shopping tab within there. And that's a really great way to find things that are interesting to you and discover new brands. I would say the biggest shift and something that we tried to really encourage clients to not look at is the grid. Because people at one point became so obsessed with their Instagram grid and they wanted to perfect it and kind of make like maybe one big photo in their grid. Is that their personal page, as it were? Like, Yeah, like I guess if you go to a brand's page, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll see maybe three photos across the top that make one big photo. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, if you look into your business insights, you see that not many people are actually going to your profile. Mm-hmm. They're discovering you either in feed or they're discovering you in the discovery feed. So it's important once they get to your feed that they're learning more about you and not just seeing a huge photo of something that doesn't really tell a great story about who your brand is. I guess that kind of feeds in. I, I hear a lot about this feeling of particularly, I guess, through influencers about people wanting to see a more authentic feed and not having such a, a kind of curated um, image group. So that kind of feeds into that directly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we encourage authenticity as much as possible, as well as kind of inclusion and diversity within anything that you do. So brands now are really, really the ones that are succeeding and doing well are telling an authentic story and they're using diverse people in their ads. You know, the beauty standards are no longer top down where the brands are setting these beauty standards and saying what's beautiful. But it's actually coming from the bottom up where people are saying These are my flaws, but this is what makes me beautiful. And I want to see myself in the advertising that you're putting out. Mm -hmm. And brands are following. You've seen, you know, Rihanna, Savage X Fenty's, their fashion show, Mm -hmm. completely disrupting that whole industry. 
Um, and they also want to know more about the brand. So brands like, I love the example of Diane von Furstenberg. You know, she's a brand that's been around for years and years, but she really uses Instagram to connect with her customers and really live the authentic life of what her brand represents on Instagram. Well, um, let's uh, just dive into one kind of specific uh, brand here. So Zara's viral dress spawned a whole Instagram account last year, that little spot dress uh, called Hot for the Spot. Yet the retailer didn't seem to make any move to respond. What do you think the worst could have been that happened if they did decide to take part in the conversation? And, And do you think they should have? Yeah, one of the recommendations that we actually have to engage with your audiences is make those cultural connections. So it is such a big opportunity to make cultural connections. One example of that um, is NYX Cosmetics did um, the egg when the egg was around a year ago, two years ago, when it was trying to break the world record for the most likes ever, and it actually achieved that. Um, But they put the egg up and they matched it to a foundation that they have, and they product tagged the foundation. You know, the egg is this shade, just as a heads up. And so that was a cultural moment that they really played around with. And we absolutely encourage that kind of stuff. Um, Zara did have an opportunity, but they're also lucky in that, you know, people were doing that themselves. And there was so much user generated content around that Mm -hmm. to where maybe they didn't need to do it. Maybe it wasn't something that they didn't need help selling that dress clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's almost like riding that wave of those cultural moments and kind of maximizing them. And I guess, how can you, how can they make the decision on whether it's right for them to do that? Yeah, I think it has to kind of live through the brand and it has to make sense with the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it makes sense for brands to just dive into any cultural moment yeah. just because they feel like they should. But if it makes sense with kind of the values of the brand or what the brand stands for or something like that, that's a really great opportunity to do so. Absolutely. And I wanted to quickly go back to the discovery page that we were talking about and how actually we're seeing so many users interact um, how can brands and retailers kind of really make sure they're maximizing their exposure, I guess, through users' discovery pages? Yeah, there's no, I, I'm constantly asked kind of what's the secret to the algorithm? Yeah. <laughs> and there's no real secret to the algorithm. Um, it's really important. A few key things come in and it's interest in terms of what else you're interacting with on the platform as a user and what your connection is to that brand as well. So if I maybe have people that I'm following that are also following that brand, or if similar things that I've interacted with, those people who interacted with what I interacted with are also interacting with that. Um, There's a few factors that kind of go into what happens on the discovery feed, but it is, I don't know, I don't know all the secrets and it's probably better that way, but I fall (laughs) for many things that I see on the discovery feed. Me too. I've only actually just started really using it myself. I was the same, full of Kardashians and... uh, the, the Duchess of Sussex's interviews I found, which I'm quite surprised that that was what was popping up. I get her a lot. I know, I don't know why. <laughs> um, so we obviously get asked a lot about the influence of online and how that impacts in stores. So how could Instagram shopping really enrich that in-store experience and getting people into uh, brick and mortar stores? Yeah, I think that um, there's lots of opportunity around this. And what we encourage is for brands to really think about their customer journey and how customers shop today, because they no longer just go into a store and they're satisfied with just picking something off off of the rack 
and purchasing that without doing a little bit of research afterwards. So think about you know, what the, your customer is doing. They might be going in store and then they might be looking for that item online, seeing if they can find it at a better price somewhere, seeing how it's styled differently, seeing if they can buy it online, how fast the shipping is. You know, Think about like mobile load times, think about your mobile site, think about your Instagram page and make sure you're using everything in your Instagram page, stories, IGTV, the location, whatever you can do. It's a whole suite of products. So think about how you can use the platform the most to get the most out of it and really tap into that frictionless shopping and making sure that you're making it as easy as possible to for your customer to shop, whether that be in-store or online or whatever way they choose. So how would you say that Instagram and Facebook are supporting brands and retailers to stay ahead of the curve? So we had an example that we, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, which was Cole's Beauty Checkout and how they're actually partnering with uh, Instagram and Facebook to discover digitally native brands to promote newness and buzz within their beauty assortment. So how else are you guys helping people say it? Yeah, we, it's funny, about probably five years ago, um, I worked on a big e-commerce brand and we took the idea to them to like Instagram checkout or buying on Instagram. And they said, we're absolutely never going to do that. You know, the whole point of we spend so much money curating our site and the whole reason people shop with us is for the experience they get from our site and the curation and everything is just so important. And um, five years later, those that brand is the one who's knocking on our door saying, you know, get us into this Instagram checkout and get us into this sh- the product tagging and the shopping. Mm-hmm. And I think the speed in which, you know, you the, the expectations of people moves faster than anything else, moves faster than technology and anything. So we really try to help our brands stay ahead of that by sharing trends and sharing the things that we're seeing from users. Um One thing is just, you know, we've really launched a lot of different things you can do on Instagram stories. So doing like launch countdowns, doing polling, doing, you know, questions and things like that, live videos. So how you can constantly stay ahead of the curve. AR filters are really fun now, and we've just opened those up into brands. We've made it easier to kind of work with influencers as well, where you have branded content and things like that. Um, We just are constantly trying to help our brands innovate, um, but we do kind of get pushed back and that they're not ready yet, but Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that they know everything that's possible that they can do so that they can set themselves up better in the future. So how successful has it been since the launch with Instagram Checkout? Um, Did it meet your guys' expectations? Yeah, we Instagram Checkout is so new and it's only open to a select number of people. Um, both brands and influencers that have partnered together with us. Um, we don't have a ton of results yet, and this, the rollout has been really slow. So it's still just in the States. It requires a ton of integration um, from like a payment point of view um, and an engineering support point of view. So until we can kind of make it a little bit more automated so it's less manual, I think we probably won't see it roll out further. And so we probably won't the strong results or any learnings until probably end of next year. I think it's something that people have always wanted is the ability to shop directly. I mean, like I said, I grew up, you know, reading magazines and wanting to shop these things or even just wanting to know like where to get it or the price or things like that. You know, it just it just makes that discovery piece so much easier. And it's really just full funnel where you have discovery 
and purchase oh in one place. Yeah. Um, and it's Instagram is just unique in that sense. It's as if you were like walking down a street where it was only your favorite brands and every window setting was like perfectly made for you. And you're seeing so many great examples and you're being inspired and then you can immediately go in and check out. Um, so it's just this perfect mix of um, my dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And frictionless, as you said, because <clears throat> there's nothing stopping you. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind that this is obviously something that's kind of a, a trial at the moment with people and you're, and you're sort of building and scaling it. How should brands and retailers include checkout within their e-com strategy and what should they be keeping in mind? Yeah, I mean, it should absolutely be, it, it goes back to that frictionless shopping. However, anybody can make their their shopping as frictionless as possible. There are millions and millions of pounds a year that are lost from abandoned shopping carts. And that might be because the mobile experience isn't good. That might be because they found something somewhere else. That might be because you know, their Wi-Fi connection wasn't good and they weren't comfortable putting in their credit card information. It's just understanding what that whole picture looks like for your customer and really bringing, making sure you're making it as easy as possible. Um, that might be through Instagram. It might be through Messenger. It might be through Facebook tools like lead ads. Um, but we have a whole suite of products to make sure that for retailers, we're making it as easy as possible for their customers to check out. So what can retailers and brands expect in the future from the checkout feature? I mean, there's no telling. It's so exciting because <laughs> it's so new. Um, and I think what we are really good at at Instagram is building products based on users' activity and what users are already doing and not forcing products or forcing behavior on people. Um, even with product tagging, for instance, that was only an organic feature until like just a few weeks ago, where we just released the ability to have those as sponsored ads. So we really want to make sure that we're testing and we're not being intrusive on the experience of Instagram, because that's the number one thing. And the biggest thing that's so important to us is that the experience doesn't change, but we're really just adding value to their experience through, through tools and ways of shopping or ways of discovering. So I guess it's kind of important, really, that it doesn't just become a shopping platform, but it's, it's what it always was then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you seen strategies across maybe fashion, beauty and homeware aligned with checkout or is it very different? Yeah, I think that just overall kind of on Instagram, there are things that we recommend and it goes with really good with beauty, fashion and probably homeware as well. The first one is kind of that inclusivity So within advertising, making sure that you're being inclusive of all customers, of all backgrounds, of all shapes and sizes, and that people are really seeing themselves in the brand. Um, The second thing is transparency. So people now really care about the brand that they're shopping with. It's no longer just about, oh, I like that dress, I'm going to purchase it. They really want to know you know, does this brand line up to my values? Are these, you know, materials sustainable? Where do they come from? Um, You know, does this brand do equal pay? Does this brand use fur? Who's behind the brand? Who's wearing it? And they care about things and they know things that they never knew before, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. So things like that are really important. So the more you can, no matter what your brand is, the more you can really bring that forward to make sure that you're very clear on your values and that you're meeting that customer expectation is really important within your Instagram strategies. And the last thing is just around access and innovation. So as much as you can use product tagging, 
for homeware, we have some examples of, um, I think it's Wayfair who uses AR filters. You can turn your camera on and see the furniture in the room and how it would look and what size it is and all of that. Um, Sephora does really great stuff with AR filters, putting makeup on. Michael Kors has really great sunglasses, try on AR filters. So there's lots of really great examples of brands using innovation, no matter what category it is. And that way people can spend more time with your brand and discover your brand without ever having to leave their house. So how will Instagram and Facebook make it easy for businesses to track sales conversions outside of their own e-commerce site? Um, There's a few ways. So we have, if it's online, we have tools for tracking attribution called Facebook attribution. So in the past, um, there's been like Google Analytics and there's been Adobe and other ways. Um, But with Facebook Analytics or Facebook attribution, you're able to really see a full picture and add tags to different sites. And the important thing is that it's people-based and not cookie-based. So I am Michelle Cap on my mobile device, on my iPad, on my desktop computer, and also when I go in store and scan my loyalty card. So we're able to understand who that person is from from an omni-channel point of view, which is really important. Um, So we're talking to a lot of retailers about that and how they can take advantage of that. And with that is like offline conversions. So if you have a loyalty card, you can understand, you know, who saw an ad or who saw an impression and then who actually went in store to purchase. So you're making sure that you're closing the loop and understanding the true value that you're driving from our advertising. Amazing. It was interesting because I was reading an article recently about how marketing teams now need to be so much more equipped and comfortable with analyzing data and analytics tools than before, because you know, previously a lot of kind of CMO roles were about driving content and brand strategy. And now you have yeah. to be a successful marketer, yeah. be comfortable with using all of these tools to Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of brands are currently on a last click model, for instance. And that means that, you know, search engines sometimes take all of that share when in reality, the journey may have been, I saw something in store and then maybe I saw it on Instagram and, or maybe I saw it on Facebook first and then I saw it on Instagram or whatever the case may be. And then because it's been top of mind and I discovered it on all the other platforms, I go to Google and I search for that, like, pinstripe blazer or whatever and then I'm taken to the site and I actually make the purchase there but you really need to kind of look above the funnel and see what contributed to that sale Mm -hmm. so we're really trying to move away from a last click model and see how we can improve the attribution models wow sounds fascinating does it really does I think I I just think it's incredible that you're sort of the journey starts so much earlier than previously we've been recording that it started and it is important to understand that whole journey that kind of start to finish process to really understand the the concern the fact that you can connect all of these different areas to build that picture and really understand and then optimize your own strategy right exactly yeah optimize it on people who are converting either in store or online um, and the lookalikes based off of that as and well. And you can then, obviously, I'm assuming segment by different customer profiles and... Absolutely. <laughs> it sounds scary, but it's better. It sounds great. <laughs> so, Michelle, complementing drop culture and the consumer movement for not wanting to buy new and reselling platforms thriving um, to contest with Depop and Spock and Facebook Marketplace obviously provides a similar space. What could this look like on Instagram? Yeah, it's funny you ask. I actually came across my friend's Instagram story 
uh, a few months ago and she was selling a bunch of stuff on Vestiaire Collective, but she had screenshotted it and posted it all to her stories and added a highlight. And I was going through and I was like, oh my gosh, I really love that bag. And so I DM'd her and was like, I'll take this bag immediately. And then the very next day she brought it into work and I had the bag. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this huge shift of, you know, ownership that we're seeing and it's not really like what you own. It's more about like how you get it. And, you know, it's kind of the end of ownership a little bit. Um, and it's interesting. I think in the past, people were a little bit hesitant to get pre-owned things or pre-loved things, as we like to call them. But now it's almost like a badge of honor when somebody says, oh, I love that bag. It's, re it's resold. Can you believe it? And you're so yeah. proud of it. I'm seeing more and more of my friends sell things in stories, and it's been successful. I'll sometimes follow up with them and ask them how many things they sold, and they'll say, oh, I sold like seven things. It wasn't that great. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't get anything taken out of it. Like with a lot of other resale platforms, they take a percentage. So yeah. I think it's really interesting. Um, there's tons of opportunity around it. I don't, we have Facebook Marketplace. I don't know what it will look like on Instagram, but we see so many. We see Farfetch, Investier Collective being really successful in this space. So it'll be really interesting to watch. One of the question that's kind of popped into my head was I know you did that fantastic report on looking at luxury and access to luxury and you just mentioned access versus ownership. How do you see um, different brands in the lux luxury versus maybe the mass market spaces strategy differ on Instagram and Facebook? I think a lot of the more luxury brands focused on brand, so really building up a brand voice and really building up this luxurious experience, similar to what you would see on in magazines or maybe TV ads and things like that. Um, but they have shifted more towards direct response because that has become more available. In the past, they didn't really have e-commerce sites things couldn't be purchased online. And that has changed over the last few years. Um, with kind of high street fashion, we see kind of the opposite at the moment where they're over indexing on direct response and just targeting that bottom funnel. Whereas we really are encouraging them to build up that audience and really make more brand communication so people can connect with them better on a brand side and not just go after customers at a lower funnel. It's almost learning from each other really. You've mentioned the grid and how brands and retailers have been heavy focused on it. What could they be doing to kind of really optimize that user, user experience on that part of the, the site? Absolutely. Um, so I think it goes back to the experience on Instagram. If I'm not following a brand already, but maybe they come into my feed from a sponsored story, or maybe they come into my discovery feed and I go and I go to the page and I go to learn more about it. If their grid is just one big photo that doesn't really tell a great story about who the brand is, I'll immediately click out um, and like not even think about it. Um, and equally, if I do follow the brand and I'm getting, you know, Giselle elbow in one photo zoomed in and then maybe her knee in another elbow, it's not a great experience for me as well within my feed so that you're likely to get a lot of unfollows for that. So whatever you do in your feed, I mean, there's no real recommendation of like how much to post or posting too much or posting too little. Post as much as makes sense for you and make sure everything that you're posting is really authentic to where if somebody who's never heard of your brand goes to it, they can learn a lot about it and they'll be encouraged to follow or to shop with you. So we've talked a little bit about um, the different um, 
features within Instagram. And it'd be interesting to know whether you see a difference in strategy by people using stories, IGTV, static posts, that kind of thing. What works best for people? Um, we have so many different things. I think when Instagram first started years ago, it was only square photos that you could do. And now there's, the, you know, a list and list of things that we can do on the platform. Um, strategies that work well together is kind of what we call matching luggage, where they're all a little bit different, but within that same consistent look and feel of the brand. So when you're thinking about the feed, that kind of goes within your grid. And so you want that to kind of be authentic to the brand. When it comes to stories, they disappear in 24 hours. So you can be a little bit fun with those stories. You can do polls, you can do questions, you can use some of the Giphy stickers and really experiment in that space. It's also a good space to talk about new drops. It's a good space to talk about flash sales that are happening that are for a limited time or do like exclusive content from behind the scenes of the fashion show or behind the scenes of how it's made or an interview with, you know, one of the designers or anything like that. And that also rolls into IGTV as well. It's just that when we launched stories, we found that there was such a need. So many people were so active in stories that we found that they actually wanted more content and they didn't want to be limited to 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. So IGTV is a great place to tell that longer story. Um, And I catch myself like on Sundays, especially when I'm being super lazy, I am just suddenly in an IGTV and then a suggest another one comes up and then another one comes up and it's almost like TV. I'm almost sitting there just watching TV on my phone. Um, So think about how you can really use all of these things together to engage with the customer the most. Yeah, finding yourself in a black hole of IGTV, absolutely. So we've been very focused on Instagram and Facebook is obviously a channel that you guys manage. What um, is best practice when it looks like with Facebook strategy and who's kind of winning in that space? Yeah, so our recommendation is always to be most effective with your media spend. And what we see as the most effective route is to buy across all of our platforms. So you're buying, you have one ad and it goes across Facebook, Instagram, Messenger where possible, but also stories in Facebook and stories in Instagram as well. And that way you don't have to rely on me accessing Facebook at some point or me accessing Messenger or stories to reach me. No matter where I am at any given point, I can be reached with your, um, with your ad. And that also allows for better frequency and better reach overall within your target audience. Some people do, um, you know, if they are doing specific content for stories, they will have a specific stories, you know, strategy, or they will have a specific Instagram strategy. But if you're going after efficiencies and getting the most for your money, we recommend to buy across everything. So there's not a specific profile of retailer or brand that you would encourage to focus on one platform versus the other. Yeah, no, it's always test and learn and experiment and see what works best for you. Um, We don't see, you know, some brands see conversions on Facebook actually working better and some brands see conversions on Instagram working better. So there's always testing that you can do and that's what we really encourage, but there isn't one size fits all. I think I also read about your Ralph Lauren example with Instagram and how it had previously just been kind of discovery and actually they were really able to drive sales through that, which is maybe not a channel that they had focused as heavily on before. Yeah, exactly. I think in the past, people found that Instagram should be more like brand focused. Mm -hmm. And there is a certain amount of truth to that in a sense that when people go to Instagram, you know, I 
No, very little actually people that I follow on Instagram in real life. It's most like aspirational. It's brands that I like. It's influencers that I like. It's any kind of blogs or anything like that. And we see about 50% of people who follow on Instagram don't know those people. Whereas on Facebook, it's a much more personal experience. And you very rarely, if ever, become friends with somebody that you don't know in real life. It's just not something that we do. So it's a much more personal experience. So in that regard, it is they, the platforms are different. But um, it has the same, as we kind of have evolved shopping on Instagram, it has the same rate of that conversion element too. So it's a great mix of brand and conversion on both platforms. Removing likes from Instagram posts is in a trial period at the moment. Have you seen any reaction at all to that? We haven't seen much reaction. Um, I'm personally not in the trial, which is unusual because usually as Instagram employees, we're in any beta and any testing as possible. Um, But I look forward to it, actually. I think that it's a huge opportunity to really focus on, focus less about likes and engagement and focus more on who I am and what I enjoy posting and not really focus on, you know, what other people may think or what they like. In terms of brands, um, we've been encouraging brands to step away from engagement and to step away from goals of followers for quite some time. And this aligns with that. We want to make sure that they're focusing on business metrics that matter to their bottom line, such as reach, such as awareness, such as conversions or app installs or whatever those goals are that they're going for. That's what they should be using our platform for and not engagement. So that golden question that I've been desperate to find out, how can brands and retailers and maybe even myself get verified on Instagram? Um, Yes, there's a submission process. Um, They don't even share internally like what goes into the decision making. I think the biggest thing is if you're at threat to be impersonated, we want to make sure that everybody's safe and everybody is authentic on the platforms. But I will say, you don't have to be verified to do anything. I think sometimes people think that I have to be verified, I have to be verified or else people won't take me seriously or you know, I won't get any followers or I won't do this. And that's not true. You, you should, we encourage you to actually post more and really engage with people. And that will probably up your chances of one day being verified. But don't you know, let yourself believe that you have to be verified in order to be successful. Yeah, I think that's really good for the smaller brands that we work for and understanding that and using that in their Instagram strategy. Amazing. Michelle, thank you so, so much. That's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Unedited. If you've enjoyed today's conversation with Michelle, make sure you subscribe to keep in the loop with upcoming episodes. It would make our day if you could rate, review or subscribe to us. You can get in touch at unedited at edited.com or tweet us at edited underscore HQ. Goodbye. Goodbye.